I was like, I want to wear a bow tie all the time. And so when we got the show, I was like, I want to wear a bow tie and a suit all the way dressed up all of the time. And they were like, okay. And I'm telling you, that is all I said to these people. Welcome to another episode of Entertainment Weekly's The Awardist Podcast, where we break down the current Emmy race and talk to your favorite stars and contenders and people who may just be taking home Lady Emmy in several months. Lady Emmy is not really a thing. Conan O'Brien t- tried to make it a thing when yeah. he hosted. But uh, anyway, my name is Kristen Baldwin, TV critic at Entertainment Weekly, and I'm here with my friend, Jared Hall. Senior editor extraordinaire, what's your official title? Yes, you're right. Senior TV editor. Nailed it. Nailed it. And uh, this week, we have a really fun episode. For one thing, I got to interview a new up-and-coming force in the late-night world, Amber Ruffin, who, you know, she got her start working on Late Night with Seth Meyers as a writer, Mm -hmm. and then she would appear on camera in bits. And now she has her own show, The Amber Ruffin Show on Peacock, and it's freaking hilarious. And she's just so smart. Like, I, I feel I feel like you can watch her and she's just one of those people who you kind of are just jealous of their yes. ability to be so, um, so snappy, so quick, so witty. Yes. Um, she's like firing on all cylinders and I, I just can't wait to see where she goes. She should be a huge force to reckon within the late night scene. Exactly. We talk about all of that in our conversation, but first up, you know, we're going to talk about the late night and sketch categories, oh. which, you know, Jared, the variety <laughs> talk contenders, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. It's a little... It's a little like sad trombone. It is. I'm ready for a huge shakeup in this entire space. Not that the show that consistently wins is not worthy. That show being Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Um, They've won since 2016. They took over basically the Daily Show mantle Mm -hmm. when Jon Stewart left. And they've won every year since. Um, So that show, of course, is in contention, as is The Daily Show and Full Frontal with Samantha Bee and Jimmy Kimmel Live and The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. There are some others... You folks know what all of them are, Fallon and and uh, James Corden, um, all of those. But, you know, here's the thing. Here's my big problem with this category. And it's not just my problem. Others have voiced it. Last Week Tonight with John Oliver is a once-a-week show, as yes. is something like Bill Maher is also a mm-hmm. once-a-week show. Mm-hmm. Um, Samantha Bee. So they're putting all of their efforts into one show every week to make something so, so good. Whereas people like The Daily Show, it's in the title, Jimmy Kimmel Live, The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, they're doing this stuff every night. Seth Meyers. And some of them are doing really great work. And I don't see how you can put them up against each other in a category. Oh, well, we will talk more about this when we get to Variety Sketch because... It gets even crazier. But yeah, it is, you know, look, remember, this has been an age old Emmy debate, whether it's remember how the Michelle and Robert King, who are like incredibly talented showrunners, would talk about that The Good Wife, a 22 episode per season CBS drama, which was really freaking high quality and good, had Mm -hmm. to compete against things like 
Downton Abbey that had like six episodes, right. you know? And yeah. so it's never really going to be an apples to apples situation. Yeah. Um, and by the way, I'm not saying that Emmys needs a hundred categories like the Grammys has. Right. Cause that's just exhausting. Yeah. You know, the shows that are in contention and last week tonight with John Oliver is incredible. It's really well done, mm-hmm. but this is a category where I would love to see some new blood. And you know what? Yes. There, there are some contenders this year who, mm-hmm. who could mix things up. I don't know. Uh, why don't you run us through the contenders and we'll talk about whether we think any of them have yeah. a shot to get in there. So someone who we all were really hoping would be nominated last year, but they uh, it didn't work out for them. Deces and Marrow, uh, their show on Showtime is just so good and people in the industry really seem to love them. Uh, the Amber Ruffin show, of course, you've mentioned her already. Late Night with Seth Meyers. He's been nominated four times only for writing though for that show, not for the actual show. And then Larry Wilmore had a new show on Peacock. Yes, yes. And how, yeah, if they're right, nominating his writing, give him a freaking outstanding Yeah, talk it makes series. no sense to me. And yeah. he's not a bad host either. So no, he's, a, he's a great host. And he tells, you know, he's just really, I love that he, like you mentioned, uh, you know, the jokes that Seth couldn't tell. And he, yeah. you know, he really spreads the love to his writers. And he has mm-hmm. these recurring, you know, sort of personalities who appear on his show, including Amber Ruffin. And yeah. like, he just, he seems like maybe the best boss in the whole world and also yeah. really funny and the show yeah. is really good. So That show, I feel like it feels like a team effort because he yes. includes the team as part of the face of the show too. Yes. And you alerted me to a new show that I didn't even know existed. Uh, Pause with Sam Jay. Tell me about this. Yeah, so Sam Jay, uh, a writer at SNL, nominated twice for writing there. Sam Mm -hmm. Jay now has this show, which is also on uh, HBO Max. It's, uh, I I think they're kind of doing with it what Peacock did with Wilmore and Amber Ruffin, get a short, you know, initial order uh, for, uh, in the case of Sam Jay, six episodes. And, you know, as those six episodes go, we'll see if if, uh, Sam gets more but this show is really more uh it's it's more about some long form conversations right. sitting down with people and really diving into i don't want to necessarily say controversial topics but uncomfortable topics topics that have very much become part of the national conversation yes. in the last uh you know year two years and hearing from people who who deserve to have their voices heard and that's really you know been so much of of what we're all saying is people need to listen, people need to have a platform, and Sam is uh, certainly doing that, giving people a platform. Um, but Sam is also a, a, a very funny writer, and uh, so we'll you know see some we'll see. some comedy infused in that way. But this is not an outrightly funny show like Amber is doing, or you know Larry Wilmore. Right. I mean, there's Larry dives into some you know some more serious topics as well. Seth Meyers does too with his a closer so does look. So Amber, segment. but they do it yeah. in a way that's really funny, and they yeah. yeah. Samantha B. Samantha B. Yeah. So there's definitely, yeah. I wonder if this could be the year that Seth Meyers edges in. It's just hard to say. I, I would love to see Deces and Mero. I would love yes. it. You and a lot of people. Amber it's, Ruffin. Like it's, it's time to, it's time to freshen up the batch. You know, I feel yes. like Jimmy Kimmel will, will be fine if he doesn't get a yeah, nomination. Yeah. He can oh, get yeah. himself to sleep on his pillow of money. He'll right. be fine. And you know, it's it's interesting too. I, I mean, I mentioned how like I think Seth Meyers was a great host. Jimmy Kimmel is a really great host. Yeah. I think he's one of the better interviewers mm-hmm. on Late Night right now. Uh, Stephen Colbert is also great at that. But that category doesn't exist anymore. They got rid of it, which I just think is crazy because this is a whole different kind of talent of skill set um, that that people who host these shows have to yeah. possess. 
I, I think they're, you know, awarded along with their show if they if the show wins, but no individual recognition, sadly. Exactly. Yeah. So now the other variety category is variety sketch. And last year's winner, Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. Saturday Night Live has won every year since 2017. Here is a fun fact about variety sketch. Um mm-hmm. We were talking about things being compared that maybe shouldn't be compared. Up until 2015, Variety Talk and Variety Sketch was one category. And then they were split into two separate categories. And last year in December, the Academy was like, guess what? We're going to combine them again into one. And nobody liked that idea. Um, They got, you know, a lot of lobbying and backlash from late night TV show producers, you know, because obviously sketch comedy and talk show comedy are very different. So anyway, they reversed that decision in February of this year. So we're back to two categories. Good, as it should be, because, yeah, those are not even close to being the same thing. Um, So in addition to SNL, I mean, this is a field that's not as crowded as Variety Talk, but obviously SNL, a black lady sketch show. Yes. Michael Che from SNL, of course, uh, one of the head writers and host of Weekend Update. He has his own new show on HBO Max, That Damn Michael Che. And uh, and on Showtime, Z-Way who uh, is also a writer for Late Night, but really went viral over the course of the pandemic for um, Instagram Live interviews yes. that, that she was doing. They're so, uh, they're so awkwardly funny. The questions that she asks, she reminds me a lot of Samantha B in a way yes. that she just asks a question very, like, very dry, very plainly stated. And people actually answer them. Yeah. I mean, I actually confirmed that she would be competing in Variety Sketch because, you know, her show is, you know, there is a long anchor interview, whether mm-hmm. it's with, you know, a real housewife or Fran Lebowitz right. or whatever. Oh. But then there are, you know, sketches and musical numbers and things. And, you know, I think uh, it makes sense to put her in this category. And yeah. people, you know, got a great response when it yes. uh, premiered. So, and I would, you know, Black Lady Sketch Show was nominated last year. Definitely mm-hmm. want to see it nominated again. So freaking funny. Yeah. But there really aren't that many other possibilities yeah. in this space, which is still kind of crazy to me to think that, you know, once upon a time, we, of course, we had the In Living Colors of the World and we yeah. had, um, you know, uh, Mad TV and it's just... And, you know, last year we had Drunk History. Drunk yeah. History ended. Um, and things like I Think You Should Leave, I just think, I don't think it uh, it is eligible. You know, people love mm-hmm. that show. That's something that would be eligible. You know, certain shows... It was renewed, but then the pandemic delayed season two. So certain things just didn't get on the air in time to be eligible. So hopefully in the next year's Emmys, this will be a more robust category. But aren't the number of nominees based on the number of contenders? Is that true? I wonder if that's true in this category as well. I'd have to look. But, you know, if there are only like five shows eligible, not all five will be nominated. I believe last year there were three nominees. So, yeah, yeah, otherwise it becomes like a participation trophy situation. Right, right, right. Is, Is there an outlier, something that we wouldn't traditionally think of as sketch comedy that would work in this place? Well, I think you could advocate that Muppets Now, which is on Disney Plus, debuted uh, earlier this year or uh, the summer of last year. It was Uh um, on Disney Plus, and it's a variety show. It's a straight-up sketch variety show, different sketches, and it's really 
freaking funny. I laughed harder at that than I do at most like broadcast TV sitcoms. Um, mm-hmm. You know, certainly it works for kids, but it's the Muppets, so uh, the jokes are uh, work <laughs> on the adult level as well. Yeah. It's probably I have not confirmed this. I would imagine it will submit in the children's television <laughs> category, yeah. but I I do think you know the Muppets are freaking funny, and the show is really funny. I mean, Danny Trejo making tacos with uh, the Swedish chef. Yeah. You, really, you really can't get better than that. And it's no. fun. So I just. They should aim big. Go for why it. Why not? Why not? Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a crowded category. Get in there. No. Get in there, mm-hmm. Muppets. And who doesn't love the Muppets? Well, I mean, I know it's one person who does. But, I, I, eh. Who is that person and cut them out of your life? Because that's just not okay. They have been already. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like it. You got to do it. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. This is, I mean, obviously, it's, it's hard to beat SNL. Yeah. Even though a lot of people are of the thought that the show's not deserving anymore, but I mean, for what they do, they they still, it's not easy to do what they do. Right, exactly. And sure, are they as good as they were 15 years ago? No, but doesn't mean they're still not deserving of some and recognition. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a hard thing to do, and yeah. like everything else, they go through phases, some yes. good, some bad. But I am excited for everyone to get to know a little bit more about Amber Ruffin if you haven't checked out her show on Peacock because she is really funny and you will have her songs um, stuck (laughs) in your head. I have been singing uh, Dr. Sexy CDC helpline song about what you can and can't do when you're vaccinated. I've had that stuck in my head for quite a while. So I really hope everyone takes a moment and listens to this conversation. She was so much fun to talk to right after the break. Welcome back to The Awardist. Now, please enjoy my conversation with Amber Ruffin, host of the very funny Amber Ruffin Show on Peacock. Welcome, Amber, and thanks for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. So for people who haven't seen your show, first of all, shame on them. But second of all, how would you describe it and what were you hoping to do with the format? Well, the Amber Ruffin Show is a late night show that's on at nine on Peacock. And it is, you know, your regular late night show, except for the whole second half of it. So we do a monologue, we probably sing a song, and we do a bunch of sketches, and that's about it. It's all kind of topical or semi topical. And it is quite silly. It is silly, but it's delightful. And uh, it's a fun, uh, even though you managed to, you talk about topical things, you managed to do it in a, in a way that feels lighthearted a lot of the time. Good. Good. Um, <laughs> so 2020 was a rough year to do literally anything, let alone launch a late night talk show. Um, that said, what would you say, were there any advantages actually to launching your show in such a, an unprecedented year? Yes. A lot of people were like, oh no, we have to do our late night shows and we don't have an audience and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I think they're only thinking about the laughter an audience will give you. 
the audience also rewards you with silence. No one remembers that. Do you remember when you were telling jokes and no one said a word, when no one laughed at all and there's 300 silent people? You know, that's also an option. So <laughs> to take that even possibility, like there is no possibility that an audience won't like what you're saying, you know, because there right. is no audience. Yeah, so that's good. I just took that silence where there would have been laughter fingers crossed and in my brain i just filled it with uproarious laughter <laughs> so in my mind at the beginning of each joke i tell if you look closely there's an air of like all right everybody calm down <laughs> because in my mind the audience is going nuts. <laughs> yeah and i mean you have uh said that you know you might have an audience down the road is that something you're still thinking about it is something we're thinking about. Um, you never know, but I do hope we get the chance to try it with an audience. And then once we get that audience, I hope we don't regret it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you've been doing this show for a very busy and eventful year. And in your first show after the January 6th insurrection, you said, uh, you said we're gonna do our best to talk about it tonight and to process it. And then we're going to push it aside and try to have some fun. And I felt like that's kind of a great summary of your show's philosophy overall. Is that, would you agree? And if so, like, what, why is that your approach? Yes. We feel like everyone should have an adult in their life who calls garbage, garbage. And so that's really the main goal. We have us to de-gaslight us. Yeah. And we are naturally extremely goofy but we also live in this world and if you talk about politics it doesn't mean that everything else has to dry up right. you know you're a complete person and you can be happy and angry and hurt and silly you can be all of those things so we just like to come to the show with our full humanity and let that lead right one of your most popular and widely shared segments is called How Did We Get Here, um, which you lay out the history of all sorts of things, oftentimes inequities and racial injustice in America in this sort of fascinating detail. How did this idea come about and how challenging is it to also make it funny because there is humor in it as well? Yeah, well, those are written by three writers. First, Jenny Hagel, our head writer who writes everything. Um, not everything, but damn near. <laughs> and Michael Harriet, who is a writer at The Root. And we tapped him for these specifically because he's great at this. And Ashley Nicole Black, who is now on a Black Lady sketch show and used to be on and write for Samantha B. So those three minds go into a blender and they come out with how did we get here and they're really nice because they've had three sets of very smart hands on them so they end up so complete and beautiful we're really lucky yeah and they mix in sort of these strains of humor uh like you know one of the most moving ones you did was about anti-Asian hate. And even within that, you know, long sort of 
very detailed history of the history of anti-Asian sentiment in America, there were just some incredibly funny lines like the man who graffitied the ramen shop. And you said, you know how racist and stupid you have to be to get mad at soup? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And that is, I mean, good point. Um, and that was one where, I mean, you know, you were visibly moved and emotional at the end. Were you surprised when you read that in the moment about how emotional it made you? Yeah. I think that maybe has happened once before. But I, you know, have decided to just leave it alone. Like, you can't be emotionless all the time. But it it just also at the end of that I was just like, ugh, there's more of us and there's more of this. Like there is no good part to racism; it's all bad. But like the good part of how terrible it all is, it's like, well, at least it's just us, which isn't what I'm thinking in the front of my mind, but it's kind of a teensy bit in the back of my mind. But if you sit down and think about it for more than two freaking seconds, you know, oh, there's a but ton of us and it's everywhere and it's all the time. That was like what was occurring to me at right. the end of that. Like, yuck, I could do a million of these. Well, literally everyone, it sucks so bad. Right, exactly. So, and I think it's nice, you know, you're a person. You're not just, a, you know, it's not like you're a robot host or, you know, audience bot 3000, you're a person. And of course you're going to be affected by this. Speaking of superhuman qualities, though, you're also a writer and on-camera contributor to Late Night with Seth Meyers. So, can you walk me through your time management wizardry and how you managed to get this done, your own show and this other job, full-time job in a week? Well, this job is a lot, but like writing wise, it's not much more than it was at late night. What happens is I'll write a ton all of the time and that's normal, but then I'll pitch stuff to late night, which is normal. And they'll pick maybe one of the million things I pitch, which is also normal. But that leaves a ton of stuff for me. Okay. I get to have it. <laughs> you know, the stuff they don't want I can have. Also, like, I can also, you know, foresee it and be like, they're not going <laughs> to. Now everything's a little more uh, laser focused. I'm like, okay, they're probably not going to want me singing in a ball gown. But then again, <laughs> you never know. know. <laughs> They do. I mean, they. You recently recapped the Oscars. That was a good one. Um, yeah. So you get oh, to do oh, fun stuff for them. They really do let me get away with murder. It's the best. One of my favorite parts of your show is your interplay with your announcer and sidekick Tarek Davis. Like, love the two of you together. How long have you known each other? How did you meet? Tell me everything about this friendship. Tarek and I met in Amsterdam in 2004 when we moved there to do Boom Chicago. Boom Chicago is a theater that is not unlike the second city where, you know, you go there and you're just the theater company and you do shows every single night. And that's how, you know, we've been on stage together all over the world. So, you know, there were also all these corporate gigs you would do and you would do home shows and stuff. And it was like a loud, rowdy show. So, like, sometimes the audience would be rowdy and we would have to wrangle them. It was the best. It was the <laughs> best. It was the best job. And it was really like surfing, where it was like you didn't know exactly how this was going to shake out and everything was just a little bit too much at all times. It was the best. 
But uh, we met there, and we did shows together for two years. Two wow. years we were there at the same time. And then when I moved here in 2014, we started doing uh, improv shows together on Tarek's improv team, um, CPT. And then I got this show. Well, you have so many great bits with him, you know, Question Party, which is taking questions from fans, the songs you sing together, which we have have to have a whole conversation about your songs, the long walk segment. Do you have a favorite segment you like to do with him? Favorite segment to do with Tarek? No, because you never know what Tarek's going to do. Tarek's liable to do anything. He really is. So you may think you know what he's going to do, but he will always surprise you. And sometimes he'll just like during the monologue, will just be cracking himself up and we will really go on a whole journey and then have to like reload the whole show and get back to doing the monologue. And that's that might be my favorite because you never know where we're going to end up. And it's usually singing and dancing, but you never know. Right. Well, speaking of singing and dancing, we have to talk about some of the songs, many incredible original songs. So first of all, when you're putting the show together or you're you're thinking about things to write about, how do you decide what's song worthy? Like when you are thinking about the news or whatever you want to write about, like how do you know what's a song and what's something, some other kind of comedy? I usually will have a idea of a type of song I want to do maybe like a couple of them floating around and then I'll read through the news and then if I can make those two things agree then I'll do it you know like yeah it's a weird process I'm more like I want to prance around to this genre wearing this what's the piece of news that fits (laughs) So uh, I do it backwards. So something like, uh, you know, legislation to ban ghost guns immediately. Does that spark to you? Like now I can finally do my Ghostbusters take. (laughs) That was one of our writers, Patrick Roland, our newest writer who like, and I got to tell you, when this show started, I was like, I'm not doing no parodies. I don't do that mess. I write my own songs. Because I write freaking songs all the time. I'm not singing someone else's songs. It's stupid. But parodies make me laugh so bad. They make me laugh so hard. I can't stop it. So I guess this is just part of who we are now. We do parodies. And it's getting... The number is growing. And that's okay. I mean... You mentioned you write songs. I mean, people may not know you wrote your own musical, a parody of the documentary King of Kong, which is amazing. Um, So when you write these songs, are you working by yourself, just writing the song, or do you work with a team? No, I write the songs and I come up with how it sounds and what I, you know, want it to be. And then I make a video and I send it to David Schmoll, who is our musical director. He does all of our tracks. And he was the musical director at Boom Chicago with okay. Tarek and I. So he knows, oh, you know, you're singing it here. But if you want to sing it with Tarek, it needs to be here because we all know each other. And he knows, you know, what kind of um, uh, phrasing I like. It, it's It's all 
like a kind of a mind meld at this point. It's pretty <laughs> cool. So like, also he's so great at it that I will send him exactly what I want. And then he will send me that, but way better <laughs> because he's great at it. So it's really nice. So I really never thought anything would beat your song about white supremacists facing consequences. You know, I do have that in my head periodically. Your sadness brings me joy. <laughs> like, I love it. But then you had to go and drop Dr. Sexy's CDC helpline, which was amazing. <laughs> I guess. Oh, thank you. Do you have a favorite? You've got to, you've got to tell me which is your favorite and why. My favorite is Bore Me Daddy. Oh which was the Fosse number we did about how boring Joe Biden is just because it was so weird. It was a weird song. It was a weird choice. It's weird to do a Fosse number. It's weird. It's weird to make Tarek put on eye makeup and suspenders. It's weird. The whole thing was so weird, but it felt together so perfectly because Tarek and I aren't dancers or singers, and that's the best part of all of this. <laughs> there is no adult being like, okay, you're singing it wrong. There's no one that doesn't exist. We, we so desperately need someone to do that for us, but they ain't here yet. But it's really funny to be like, well, this is the choreography. Good luck. <laughs> this is choreography. Here's how the song goes. Good luck, bud. And then we just try our best. And they're so like, if we, the, it's just the difference between what we're doing and what a professional does is so great that it makes me laugh so hard. Like the huge mistakes that are left in because we're like, this is good as it's gonna get. It makes me laugh so hard. We're like, yeah, it's fine. Who cares? I fell. It was barely, no one saw it. It's fine. So have you talked to Peacock about releasing an original cast album or at least like a Spotify playlist? You have enough songs. I know. I keep writing that down. Let me write it down. Write right it now. down. I mean, we have to try to get started on it. There's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot. We're not through season one. This is a ton. The Catatonic. That song slaps. Like, come on. Right. <laughs> So fun. There's a lot. Yeah, hopefully we'll be able to have a little album that you and I can listen to. <laughs> Just as we're it's, out it's on the street. Yes. I think a lot of people would listen. Um, so you love a silly joke, um, like saying in Boston they call Kmart K Marty Mart and the Funky Punch. <laughs> Which, you know, you can't say it without laughing. It's a really joyful type of humor. Um, growing up, like, what were your, did you have comedy influences? Were there shows that you first remember loving or that the first thing that made you laugh? I don't. And it was probably a million different things because I love silliness and, and goofing around. But my family is quite goofy. It is bad. It's silly. Everyone in my family is all the way silly. Whereas usually a mommy and a daddy aren't silly, but mine are goof-tastic. <laughs> and it is odd. It's odd. And I think that had a big influence on me. But I guess the end answer to your question is Arthur, the movie oh. Arthur. I still 100% believe it's maybe the funniest movie I've ever seen in my life. It's, it makes me laugh so hard. And I saw it just the other day and was crying laughing. Freaking 
six-year-old me or however old I was, was 100% right. It's hilarious, that movie. It's so funny. It's so good. What are so your good. feelings on Arthur II on the rocks? Love it. I still love it. <laughs> oh, I still think it's great. I just think it's the funniest character. It's so great. And it all the jokes are so silly that I think that's why I love it so bad. Right. Silly. No one should be acting this way. I love it. <laughs> um and even in when you're talking about on the show, when you're talking about subjects that can be, you know, touchy or controversial, you, you often find fun ways to do it. Um, like the spring cleaning segment I'm thinking about where, you know, it's like, oh, get rid of your crop tops and also get rid of your, you know, racist ideas about, you know, this or that. Um, is Why is that an approach that you find fun to do or that works for you? Yeah, I really do think talking about serious things in a silly way really makes me laugh because you shouldn't be doing that. I shouldn't be acting that way. I love it. <laughs> you know, there's no adult to be like, you should really, this is a serious issue. I'm like, eh, that's fun. I'm having a good time. But it also makes it relatable in a way. Like, Yes. Also, I do think people are like, oh, no. I'm racist. This is horrible. I'm going to die and never have a job. No, everybody's terrible in their own way. It's it's work. We're all a work in progress. Do the work. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. Um, So this feels like a frivolous question, but I must know you have a very, uh, you have a signature look. You have these beautiful neckties. There's fan art about your neckties. I need to know kind of all about this. Like, where do you get these beautiful neckties? Who designs them? When was this style something that you first came up with? When I went to the first Emmys, we had to go to, like, we had, like, little outfits, special outfits for this party and that and la la And Eric Justin, our wardrobe guy and one of our producers, he uh, put me in this really neat bow tie and a, like, tuxedo-y suit, and it was so cute. I was like, I want to wear a bow tie all the time. And so when we got the show, I was like, I want to wear a bow tie and a suit all the way dressed up all of the time. That's what I want. Yeah. And they were like, okay. And I'm telling you, that is all I said to these people. <laughs> and then I ended up looking like that. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I should have said less if I could figure out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they've certainly become your signature look. Uh... Our Eric Justin works with Nicole Allen, and they just make these ties. Like There's like yards of ribbon and doodads and stuff (laughs) and they make them so that every Wednesday they come to me with a couple of bows and then I pick one and then I get to wear it it's nuts over here it's nuts that's you're living the dream you're living the necktie dream Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um well my last question is the show has been renewed through September is that correct it's true. That's great. Congratulations. What are some of the things you're looking forward to doing uh, in the coming episodes? Um, let's see what we're going to do. I'm looking forward to singing more silly songs. That's yes. always my number one favorite. Um, so tomorrow I'm going to do a thing where one of the 
news stories was a guy got bit by a snake that he found in his barbecue and he tried to scoop the snake out with his barbecue tongs. So then we're going to sing a parody of thong song with, and call it the tong song. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. It's so silly. But that's perfect, though. Of course. It's not a big enough news story to do a parody song about. <laughs> but I love it. It truly makes no earthly sense. But it must be done. It must be done. Yes. And you know what? You're the person to do it. So, um, and finally, what are, uh, when, fans come up to you on the street, what are they most excited to talk to you about? No one comes up to me on the street ever because of a man. Oh, right. Of course. Of course. No one, the other day, for the first time in a year, probably, a guy said, Amber Ruffin, hey, <laughs> I see you. So that was what he had said. All right. All right. I was like, okay, thank you. Yes, I am. <laughs> Hello. And is there anything you've been watching lately that you love? Yes. What was I just talking about? You know what's terrible, but I loved it? I hate Susie. Did you see that? I loved it. Freaking nobody talked about it because we're not, no one's at your job. You know what I mean? Yes. Because that's what you would be talking about. Yes. Like I may destroy you. You talk yes. about it every yes. second. I hate Susie was so good. And there was no one to talk. I know. About it. I scream about it every time I can, you know, and just tell people to watch it. Billy Piper's a goddess. It's so good. It was so good, but it was horrible. Yes. What a horrible feeling. Yeah. I hated feeling that way. Gotta watch it. <laughs> Gotta watch it. Now that is an endorsement. Uh, <laughs> well, Amber, it's been so nice talking to you. I really appreciate it. Congratulations on the show. I look forward to seeing the Tong song and everything else that <laughs> you've got coming down the pike. Yay. Thanks for having me. Kristen, that was so much fun. It, it does not seem like you were roughing it there. <laughs> I knew it. I should have known this is where it was going to go, but no, I was not roughing it at all. She was such a delight to talk to. So funny. And I really do hope that she either releases an Amber Ruffin Show cast album because they've recorded so many good songs or at least a Spotify playlist. She said she was going to write it down. She wants to do it. So we'll see. I would definitely listen to that playlist. And for the Academy members who are listening, shake up this category, please yes. pay attention to the other people out there. That's my only request, except that I will say, if you liked our episode, please let us know. Also be sure to follow so you don't miss any episodes of the Awardist. We of course have lots of other content over on EW.com and you can follow us on Twitter. Tell us uh, you know, what you liked about the episode, if there are any people you have thoughts on or people you'd like to hear from. I am at Jared Hall and Kristen, you are at... Kristen G. Baldwin. Lovely. Well, be sure to follow both of us. We'd appreciate it. And we will see you next time on The Awardist. <laughs>